Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm privileged to welcome a very accomplished entrepreneur and a podcast guru, Melinda Whitstock from Santa Monica, USA. Melinda, welcome <laughs> to the show. So great to be with you. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Melinda is the chief executive and founder of Podo Polo, and uh, you know you will find the brand called you on Podo Polo as well. She's a five-time serial entrepreneur and a visionary conscious leader who has built five innovative businesses. Melinda is an award-winning journalist for some of the world's leading media brands, including the BBC, Times of London, ABC, CNBC, and Financial Times. And Steve Jobs told her that she asked the best questions. <laughs> So, uh, I, I think he was a little irritated by me. I mean, <laughs> I asked tough ones. So, uh, Melinda, before we talk talk about Podo Polo, tell me about your own amazing journey from journalism to entrepreneurship. Oh, gosh. It, it's kind of a long story. I'll try and abbreviate it. But I was one of those little kids. I think I was like six years old and I went around demanding prepayment from neighbors for mm-hmm. my show. You know, I had this whole production (laughs) and it involved costume changes and music and all sorts of things. And I remember Mm -hmm. coming home and asking my dad where we could find a hundred chairs. So the entrepreneurial gene was always within me, but I didn't even know what an entrepreneur was. Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, I um, became a journalist really in college at McGill um, on the student newspaper, Mm -hmm. which was just super cool. I was writing stories all the time. I started breaking news. Um, But meanwhile, I was also setting up the advertising department for the Mm -hmm. student newspaper and making it profitable. Mm -hmm. So I always had that entrepreneurial uh, drive. And I think that's one of the things that made me a good journalist because Mm -hmm. I always wanted to, it wasn't enough to report it it was more important for me to really understand, you know, where the story was going next. What were the implications? What were the impacts on mm-hmm. people? And of course, I got to interview uh, many uh, leading entrepreneurs. You mentioned oh, Steve Jobs, mm-hmm. but there were many others. And I, Richard Branson, a whole bunch of people that I mm-hmm. actually spent some significant time with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm quite a sponge. I'm a very curious person. And I love mm-hmm. to learn. I'm a lifelong learner, which I think is a necessary trait of a successful entrepreneur. Correct. And um, I uh, I just really through that period of being a print journalist and then being on television and then moving on to really create award winning content for mm-hmm. the BBC as a producer and building mm-hmm. teams. And I was really um, honing my entrepreneurial and my business skills mm-hmm. while I was doing that. And then uh, first business after 9-11, I was living in New York at the time mm-hmm. and everybody was talking about U.S. democracy and how important it was to protect. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, my goodness, the political coverage, I don't know, people don't even vote. People aren't really involved. People don't really know much about their own democracy. Mm -hmm. So how can I change that? And that was the first business. It was Capital News Connection. And we grew that to a daily audience of 3 million people. and increasingly, it became more and more uh, a technological innovation. Mm. We were localizing and personalizing content at scale in the early aughts. Mm-hmm. Um, 
also innovated one of the first ever crowdsourcing apps. I guess technically that was a widget mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that allowed citizens to ask questions of their congressmen and women mm -hmm. um, and senators, and our journalists would would get them answered for people to listen to, comment, and share. And that mm -hmm. was an app that grew to almost 3 million users in just wow. eight months. Mm -hmm. And that's when really my passion for technology, really at the intersection of media and technology and content that could become conversation mm -hmm. um, and be relevant to people without falling into these destructive filter bubbles mm -hmm. kind of became my life's work. Mm -hmm. And so fast forward through all the different companies that have been sort of derivations of that. And here I am with Podopolo, mm -hmm. which really combines a lot of the things that I have established or proven mm -hmm. in all my previous businesses. Fascinating. So let's talk with Podopolo then. Tell me about what was your motivation to start this ah. Yeah, there were a couple. I'm a podcaster myself. I started a podcast, uh, I guess, five years ago. And I started the podcast that I wish I had had as a female founder in technology. Mm -hmm. There are not a lot of us. Yeah. Um, it was kind of a bit lonely and it can be for entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And I was looking around and like, were there other women who was who were doing what I was doing? How could we encourage more women to really succeed in entrepreneurship? Mm -hmm. So I started interviewing uh, successful female founders. I'm almost at 800 episodes now, all these years later. But I came to podcasting with all this business experience, you know, building eight and nine figure businesses, having mm -hmm. exits, all of that with marketing experience, with award-winning content experience. And it was still hard. Mm -hmm. At one point, I had six different side hustles to support my podcast. And I, I, I'm like, there's, there's something wrong with that. <laughs> I have mm -hmm. to create businesses mm -hmm. just to sustain a podcast. And I really saw that there were structural problems that prevent podcasters from being discovered, from growing their reach or their mm -hmm. audience, mm -hmm. from engaging with their listeners, mm -hmm. from actually knowing who their listeners and viewers actually are, mm -hmm. and from monetizing their content. So that was the first impetus. And I also looked around and I thought, wow, this is the fastest growing media of all time. If we mm -hmm. all got together, we'd be bigger than Netflix. Like what's yeah. going on here? This is this mm -hmm. fractured um, industry. And then meanwhile, I'd had all this background in innovating uh, within social media. Mm -hmm. And I... I saw that podcasting could and should be also socially interactive. Mm -hmm. So I think all those different pieces converged for me uh, with the right timing to really build this. And I'm, I'm very excited about the creator economy uh, side of this because, like I said, podcasting is the fastest growing media. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's very niche. And, and most podcasters tend to have small audiences. Mm -hmm. And because they have small audiences, they get locked out of advertising. Mm -hmm. And this is the structural issue here where advertisers have approached uh, what is really a narrow casting mm -hmm. as if it were a broadcast. Mm -hmm. And so they look for big numbers. As a result of this, 98% of podcasters will never qualify for advertising. Mm. So that's another problem we really set out to solve. And we do that with our AI, which is mm -hmm. getting increasingly sophisticated yep. at being able to match not only the right podcast to the right listeners around their shared interests, mm. but also the right advertisers to the right podcast so that podcast ads are always relevant to the audience. And podcasters, even with small audiences, can now start to make money from advertising. How exciting. And, you know, you almost convinced me that after the show, I'm going to call you and say, 
you know, <laughs> please help me market the brand called you. Uh, but my next question to you, Milena, is that in such a crowded market, and as you said, 98% of podcasters, and everyone's very small and either people don't sustain or they do a few and then stop. Uh, how does one ensure repeat purchase? I'm using conventional marketing terms which really from my perspective as a marketer is that how do I keep getting my customer back to my podcast? How does one uh, build loyalty? Yeah, a hundred percent. So there's, there are a lot of factors to that. I mean, first of all, is the content good? Mm -hmm. And are you being responsive to your audience? And this is the other place where AI really assists us because Podopolo, unlike all the other platforms, actually shares this, we call it audience intelligence. We mm -hmm. actually share it with the podcasters. Everybody else keeps that data to themselves mm -hmm. and they monetize it and they mm -hmm. use the creators. The creators become the product uh, rather than the customer. Mm -hmm. And we're changing that whole paradigm mm -hmm. um, because if that if that data and those audience insights are, are, are fully transparent mm -hmm. and you are actually getting to know, for instance, it could just be what are... Um, my listeners um, interested in uh, what is their actual behavior? How long mm. do they listen to the content? Are they dropping off at 13 minutes? Why mm. are they dropping? What am I doing at 13 minutes that I could change? Mm. And there's a whole series of things like that, mm. that, that really provide a digestible way to take that, those insights and make them actionable to help the podcaster not only improve their content and make it more responsive and relevant, mm -hmm. but also because Podopolo is socially interactive, to be able to engage with their audiences in a meaningful way, mm -hmm. keep the conversation going. We train a lot of people to leverage some of the principles of gamification mm -hmm. uh, to really uh, make their audiences feel special because mm -hmm. they are, mm -hmm. uh, but also to incentivize and reward them to turn those listeners and viewers into your best evangelist. So mm -hmm. there are some structural things there, but it's also a creative pursuit. So, you know, but it is, if you, if you have a very clear vision and mission of, 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 of what your podcast is trying to achieve the, mm -hmm. the, 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 the goal of it, the, the behavior change maybe you want to see in the world as a result or the mm -hmm. social impact that you want to make or whatever that is, the teaching you want to provide, um, where podcasters sometimes go wrong is they launch a podcast without being clear, first mm. of all, about their audience and, mm. and, and who their audience actually is and how do they want to reach that audience and, right. and, and talking to that audience in an, in an effective way. Mm. Fascinating. And uh, the other thing that I wanted to ask you is that uh, when I talk to so many people who are also podcasters, most of them seem to have a problem either with technology or uh, or how to market it or how do you find the audience or, or, or a lot of them tell me that we just don't have the 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 drive to keep doing it consistently what are some of your thoughts for podcasters like this yeah it it is really hard and again mm. i get back to this whole point about the structure because what happens often is mm. podcaster launches a podcast has you know a great concept, maybe a great show. Mm. Um, 
and but didn't realize that they all of a sudden had to be an expert in content marketing, in SEO, um, and all these different things. Right. Or they had to kind of figure out, like a lot of them do get a little phased by the technology. Mm. I tend to think the technology is the easiest thing. I do my mm. podcast on my laptop computer with, mm. with a, a USB microphone. I don't have an elaborate studio. Right. You know, I, I could be doing it sitting on the sofa, mm. but it sounds good um right just through different audio editing and uh different different ways that that uh you know to do that mm -hmm. um but i think it's really important that you have to approach it just as if you were launching a product mm -hmm. and what does it mean to launch a product you need to know who your audience is you need to know where your audience is you need to know how you're going to communicate with them and be relevant to them mm. you also need systems and operations around mm. uh what you're doing so you can sustain it how much of the guest intake can you automate for instance mm. how much of the getting the word out about it can you automate how, you know all these all these different things so mm. uh i spent a while kind of perfecting that with my own podcast and as a result help help a lot of other podcasts deal with that kind of overwhelm but again that's one of the main reasons i founded podopolo because most podcasters just want a podcast mm. they don't want to have to be seo okay. sem experts or social media influencers doing a dance on TikTok or something. Right. Do you know? I mean, <laughs> we don't really want to have to do all that. Absolutely. Well said. Well said. So my next question to you, uh, Melinda, is that there's also this big debate going on between video uh, recordings like you and I are doing and the audio, which we will pull the audio and put it onto platforms like Podopolo and others. What are your thoughts on these two completely different formats that audiences mm -hmm. are viewing? Yes. So uh, video is becoming very big in podcasting. A lot mm -hmm. of people enjoy video and that's great. But a lot of people also, in fact, the vast majority of the audience loves podcasting and it's grown so fast because it can be on in the background when they're doing other things mm. like you know when you're working out or you're like i don't know doing the dishes or cooking dinner or uh, people listen to podcasts as they fall asleep at night you know it, it's literally it can be on in the background and that's mm. the real advantage of audio also when you're driving you mm. know for instance and so audio is not going to go away I think the two medium, are, they're very, very different. And I learned this lesson very early on working for the BBC. Mm. The BBC did an experiment way back in the 90s where they made a lot of the television presenters mm -hmm. uh, do radio and some of the radio people do television. And it was really hard uh, to, very few people could do both mm. well. Mm. And so there were a lot of kind of, uh, you know, uh, TV voices that didn't translate to radio. It sounded mm. too strident on radio because radio, the, the, the audio is just more intimate. Mm -hmm. It's a little more conversational. Um, and and, and I, I like the audio format for that reason, because mm. it, 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 it because of the intimacy of it. Mm. Um, whereas television it's a whole different thing, just like video is a whole different thing. And it was funny that experiment at the BBC completely failed because most people just couldn't do it. Absolutely. And so, in a in a in a podcasting standpoint, mm -hmm. I I like to think about it as know why you're doing both, and if you mm -hmm. are doing both, uh, sometimes doing a a a video podcast. Um, 
uh, your audience may be different for the mm. video podcast than your audio podcast. Mm. With Wings of Inspired Business, mine about female entrepreneurship, it's entirely audio. Mm. Um, and uh, I chose that because I knew that my guests would be more forthcoming. All the women, because I interview only women entrepreneurs, I didn't want to make them have to brush their hair and put on makeup and, and do all that stuff. Mm. I, I sort of thought they'd be a lot more self-conscious mm. and wouldn't be as open about talking about the truth of entrepreneurial failure, for instance, mm. right? Or the truth of what it's actually like to build something out of whole cloth. It's really hard. Mm. Um, it, it, and, and women in particular are juggling so many different things. Correct. It's, 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 so I, I wanted them to feel unencumbered or not self-conscious. And so mm. that's why I chose that. What I am thinking of doing though, is having a video component separately to the podcast. Mm -hmm. That's really more promotional. Mm. So it's sort of shorter format. So it's, uh, repurposing the content and using that in a different way. Uh, but again, getting to know your audience and who is attracted to the video and who's attracted to the audio and 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 working accordingly is is my prefer, my preferred path. Well said, well said. So I have one more question on podcast and then we'll move to one or two other uh, subjects. You know, everyone seems to be moving to these one minute videos. <laughs> you know, the, the, the TikToks of the world and there are, you know, a bunch of them in India. And I know that when we were experimenting with a brand called You on one of the biggest competitors of TikTok from India, we don't have TikTok in India, uh, we suddenly started to see over 2 million views per day. Now, I wanted to get your perspective on what is really happening in these different <laughs> formats. I mean, are the young people just watching one-minute videos? I I think so. And I think it's actually the behavioral science around it. Mm -hmm. It's designed to be addictive. Like it's a dopamine hit every time, you know, that, the the that, and, and it, it, it's, it's interesting because mm -hmm. I, I wonder whether we're training people to have such short attention spans that they can't think critically anymore mm -hmm. to me. Maybe I'm just old enough that it's sort of a worrying trend for our society in, in a way. On the other hand, it's it's so easy to fall into that rabbit hole of just kind of entertainment or getting bite-sized little bits. And it, it depends. If it's just kind of passive entertainment, that's mm -hmm. one thing. But if you're trying to learn from like one minute little snippets, the the effectiveness of learning, yeah, I would I hazard to suggest is probably pretty limited. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think the algorithms are specifically, and in fact, I know the algorithms are specifically designed to just keep you in that loop. Yeah. It's rewiring our brains. I agree. And, I, you know, I'm 66. And when I start watching some of those, I can keep doing that for 15 minutes without any interruption, you know. So exactly, you're, you're so right. I mean, it is very addictive. <laughs> but, it's, uh, it's, it's designed on purpose because mm -hmm. that's their monetization model. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. So let me, let me move. You know, when I was reading about you, you also said that you are a spiritual practitioner of meditation, yoga, and gratitude. Mm -hmm. Tell me what got you interested in these areas and what are you doing? <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, it's kind of the entrepreneurial journey, I mm -hmm. think. I, I joke all the time that if you want therapy, just become an entrepreneur. Because um, you know this. I mean, it's hard. And you're going to be confronted with so many different things. We can talk about, you know, deep subconscious 
limiting beliefs or all the stories that we grew up when we were like really little kids. We didn't even have a frontal lobe yet. And we know about, you know, we know enough from neuroscience and all the different studies that a lot of the things that we believe about ourselves get Mm -hmm. formed from zero to six or seven years old. And they're not really about us, but we Mm -hmm. carry that with us our entire lives. So whenever we get triggered by something Mm -hmm. and as a young entrepreneur, you're going to be getting triggered all the time. Because you got to manage all these different people and different egos. So you're learning about that, how to be an effective leader and a manager. Uh, you have things outside of your control uh, and uh, like timing or competitors or all these different things. Mm-hmm. So you can find yourself being triggered. What I started to learn mm-hmm. is that those moments are opportunities to let go of all that stuff that isn't even you. It's not really core. It's not really mm-hmm. your essence. And there was a certain point, I'm, I'm trying to remember the actual trigger of it. I think I, I was in a difficult time with a very bleeding edge business that I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I found myself working, 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 working so hard that I was kind of burning out. And uh, someone suggested going on a yoga retreat. Mm-hmm. And I uh, went all the way to uh, Greece. I was mm-hmm. in Crete for two weeks and I'd mm-hmm. never done yoga before. Mm-hmm. And it was completely transformational. Mm. Um, I came back kind of rested, fresh, full of ideas, kind of with a much clearer uh, connection or if you will, or um, to inspiration, in fact. And I started to really learn meditation through yoga. Mm -hmm. Um, And now, I mean, instead of having a to-do list, for instance, I actually have an inspiration list for my Mm. morning meditation. And it guides me to work on the things, for instance, that are going to provide the most leverage in the business. So can I do one thing today that's going to have a multiplicity of impacts, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. What's the most effective use of my time? Mm -hmm. Um, It also clears my head so that I am literally able to receive Mm -hmm. inspiration. Um, I get my best ideas when I'm not working, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that was very important. And I think uh, the sense of gratitude, I started just on this spiritual journey. I started to realize that when you're in a place of gratitude, even for the things that go wrong, even for all those micro failures or what I like to call fail forwards in the sense of entrepreneurship, when you're creating something out of whole cloth, you know, right. You're, you're like a scientist in a lab with a lot Mm -hmm. of hypotheses and until you Eureka, you know, you Mm. get it right. So Mm. on on that path, it's very helpful just for your mental sanity to be in a state of gratitude Mm. and gratitude for those uh, failures because they're actual lessons, they're Mm. opportunities. And so the more I stay in in that zone, um, I found it uh, bringing so much abundance of just wonder into my life, just the ease with which we recruit amazing talent, for instance, because Mm. you, you bring in more of how, of who you're being. Mm. And, and I, I, I wish this knowledge had been more apparent to me (laughs) in my twenties or thirties, even forties, you know, that would have been good. I agree. I agree. There's a lot to be said about, you know, just being with yourself and calming your mind down. I think that's what meditation really teaches you. But Melina, my last question to you, and this is for the many, many people who will listen to our conversation, based on all your amazing journey and what you have created with Podopolo, what would you say are three lessons you would want 
our viewers and listeners to take away from the perspective of podcasting? Oh, my goodness. I think so much of it. Number one, mm. and I think a lot of people don't know this about themselves, but what is your unique zone of genius? Mm. Really, what makes you in your earth suit right now mm. uh, different that you have a unique contribution? And sometimes it's really hard to know what that is because um, it's usually something that's very, it's so intuitive to us. We just sort of assume that everybody else mm. <laughs> has that same thing as well. And we sometimes very. undervalue mm. the very thing that's unique. And and I when you said in the context of podcasting, that's why I picked that as number one, because yep. to be a very effective podcaster, you really need to be able to double down on that unique voice, like almost going like more narrow in terms of really genuinely and authentically mm -hmm. uh, speaking really, you know, from your heart or from that zone of genius. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, and and it sometimes takes years to really understand Correct. what that is, but and a bit of meditation yes, of <laughs> <laughs> to, to find to find that piece. I I would think the other thing too is don't be afraid of failure. Mm. Uh, failure is the thing that makes us better and stronger. Like welcome it, be grateful for it. It's just a lesson. Yeah, it's just an opportunity things are going to work out. I mean, mm. as long as you're kind of open to that. And so I think a lot of people sometimes are so afraid of failing, they don't take action mm. or um, they are going to perfectionism. So like they're, they, they're doing the equivalent of cleaning the house before the housekeeper comes and like everything has to be perfect. And so they wait and wait and wait and wait and they miss the opportunity. So yeah. just start. Mm -hmm. um, imperfect action is better than no action in Absolutely. all things in life, whether it's podcasting, entrepreneurship, anything. Um, the other thing I would say is be compassionate mm -hmm. towards yourself. Mm -hmm. If, if, um, as much as you can have that, uh, compassion and sort of self-love, it's not a selfish thing, yeah. but the more that you have that and you have that, uh, compassion for yourself or forgiveness, and you're really looking after yourself, the more that you're helping other people mm. do the same. So I'd say be the lighthouse. You don't have to be in the spotlight, be, be the right. lighthouse. Mm. Well said. And on that note, Melinda, and your three amazing lessons, understand what is your own unique zone of genius. Second, <laughs> which is so true, don't be afraid of failure. And third one, uh, be the lighthouse, be compassionate towards yourself. Thank you so much for speaking to me about your amazing journey from journalism to entrepreneurship. Thank you for talking to me about some of the incredible successes you've had in uh, as an entrepreneur in the real world of technology. Thank you also for speaking to me about Podopolo. I learned so many new things about you on podcasting, and I'm sure we will figure out how we can work in, in, a, in a more sanit in, in, a, in, a, in a much better manner to be able to market our podcast. Thank you also for talking to me about your podcast, Wings of Inspired Business, and about all the work that you're doing as a yoga practitioner and for and on meditation and gratitude. Thank you for speaking to me and good luck. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, 
Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called you.